0: When I was um, a boy, about 10 or 11 years old, I was reasonable size, but nonetheless, there was a bully in the neighborhood. He was always bullying me. I mean, he always intimidated me. I have an older brother who was 19 years older than me. He went to be with the Lord now, but he was six foot four. And so one day, as i walking down the street. Here's that little bully show up, but I was walking with my big brother. At that time, I did not hide from him. I did not run away from him. I went up and stood him <laughs> down. That kid never troubled me again. What made the difference? What gave me courage? What's that burst of courage come from? Where, what's the change that took me from fear to victory? And very simple. My 6 4 foot brother. That's where it came from. In the spiritual realm, when your big brother Jesus outwitted Satan on the cross and defeated him, he announced that you too can defeat your bully. Amen. Amen. And Satan is a bully. Satan is a bully. And a bully needs someone much bigger than him in order to intimidate him, in order to shut him up, in order to get him on the run. And at the cross, Jesus outwitted Satan, and he defeated him, and he rendered him powerless. And that is why James could confidently say, in James chapter 4, verse 7, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want to give you sevenfold fold counter-offensive in resisting the devil. Number one, the victory is yours. In the Roman legal system... When a crime is committed, the court issues a parchment in which the crime is mentioned, what the crime is, or be stealing or whatever, and then under it, they write the sentence 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. And they take that parchment on which the crime and the sentence is written and they nail it to the door of the prison cell. So anyone walks around the prison, and as soon as he sees, he knows exactly what this person did. What happens when the person finishes the sentence, or he might get an imperial pardon and be set free? That same parchment goes back to the court, the same sentencing judge. And he will take that same parchment, and he will write across the page one Greek word, tetelestai, paid in full, paid in full. Isn't that a surprise to you that that's the last word that our Lord Jesus Christ pronounced when he was hanging on the cross? Tetelestai is saying it's paid in full. The wages of your sin is paid in full. The disarming of the principalities and the powers, paid in full. The defeating of Satan, paid in full. The loss of sin's power over you to intimidate you is paid in full. And when the same person who has been pardoned leaves with that new parchment written across the page, paid in full, goes home, that same parchment is nailed to the wall of his house. So nobody can come in and try try him again or arrest him again. That letter is so clearly written that anyone come near the house, he will read those words on that parchment. Every one that goes by sees it. Now, beloved, it's in the same way. If you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you're saved by His power alone, if your sins are forgiven and you have confessed your sins and you received eternal life, in the same way, neither Satan, nor demons, nor principalities, nor powers can hold you captive or intimidate you or bullying you to sin, because Colossians 2.15 said Jesus disarmed the principalities and the powers, and He made public spectacles of them, triumphing over them. Where? On the cross. On the cross. Well, what does that mean to you when you go to work and you're facing all the problems that you face throughout the week? What does that mean to you? What does it mean to everyone who have submitted their life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? What does that mean when you're facing financial disaster, when you're facing problems that are insurmountable? Remember this. Satan has no legal right over you. Satan has no legal right to trespass in your property. Satan has no legal right to harass you. Satan has no legal right to come in and out of your life. Tetelestai paid in full. Can I get a witness? Always remember that victory is yours. Secondly, dying to self is your weapon. I visited Masada many times in Israel, and the word Masada, by the way, just means fortress in Hebrew. Every time I visit Masada, I could not help but be overwhelmed by the history behind it. About a century after Jesus came to earth, the Jewish population in Israel revolted against the Romans, and the Romans didn't like it. So they came in and they crushed Israel. They responded with an iron fist to their rebellion. But 960 Jewish men, women, and children got up to the peak of that fortress— And they encamped there on that rocky fortress. Bottom line, the Romans didn't like it, and they were determined to get there and defeat them, kill them, or enslave them. The Roman soldiers took a long time, but they built a vast dirt ramp that's about 200 feet high and 645 feet long. It took a while to build, as I said, but they got there eventually. But when the Romans got to the top of that fortress, they found that every one of the 960 Jewish men, women, and children dead. They chose rather to die and kill themselves than die at the hands of the Romans or be enslaved by the Romans. Why am I telling you this? For these Jewish patriots, death was preferable to bondage. When they learned to die to self, that they can really have victory and foil their enemy. James 4, 7. Submit yourself then to God, then resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The two go together. This is an awesome connection between submission and resistance. They go together. What do I mean? I mean successful resisting of the devil results from successful surrender to God. Successful resisting come out of successful submission. Successful resistance flows out of successful surrender. Please hear me right. This is important. (laughs) Do you know what terrifies the devil? A life that is totally dedicated to God. That's what terrifies him. Victory is yours. Dying to self is your weapon. Thirdly, locking up all the doors is your secret. Remember what Peter said? Be sober, be vigilant. Because the moment I start saying, Well, I'm weak in this area, but I'm strong in this area, the devil is going to go after what you think you're strong at. And I can tell you be careful. Be careful. Because the moment you think you're strong here or strong there, the devil is going to go with his demons into the boiler room. Do you know they have a boiler room? They'll go to a boiler room, and they'll start strategizing of how to attack you in the area of your strength. On a daily basis, I start locking up all the doors, big or small, weak or strong, significant or insignificant. What am I doing? By doing so, I'm inviting the rule of God and the rule of the Holy Spirit to dominate every nook and cranny of my life. Here's the problem. Here's the problem of Christians today, and it's so grieving. They think that Jesus is leading us in a triumphal procession on Sundays, and then for the rest of the week they are leading their own parade. Victory is yours. Dying to self is your weapon. Locking up all the doors is your secret for Putting on the battle fatigue neutralizes your enemy. Every soldier that goes into battle must have on the battle gear. You see, Satan is our enemy, and he is at war with us, whether we like it or not. Denying that you are in a spiritual war with Satan is like showing up in the battlefield with flip-flops. Leave that to your imagination. The enemy will not only eat your lunch, he'll eat your dinner too. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Why? Because, he said, our fight is not with human beings. Now, Satan uses human beings, but our fight primarily is not with them. Our fight is not with flesh and blood. How? By putting on the full armor of God. Verse 13. Why should I continuously, daily, put on this army fatigue, this battle fatigue on? Here's where it gives us the answer. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Make the devil flee. Now, if you look at all, all the items in the battle gear, they're all defensive except for one. Only one offensive weapon. Verse 17 the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Look at Ephesians 6, 14. Start with 14. He says, Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. What is he saying? He is saying that truth and righteousness go together. I need to explain this. When you came to Jesus Christ and surrendered to Him and He became the Savior of your life positionally, you have received the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the only way the Father can look at you. You have received His righteousness. But then you have to walk in His righteousness day after day after day. You have to walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Those who say, well, I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and they live any of which old way, they get into trouble. To walk in righteousness day by day, you cannot do it without obeying the truth of God. In his word, let me illustrate. When Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? What did Peter say? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Only my Father in heaven revealed it to you. Wow. Great revelation. He's a recipient of the revelation of God. He's not incredible. He's not wonderful. And then the next thing Jesus went to say I'm going to the cross. I'll die for your sin. Arise for your justification. And he began to talk about the cross. And Peter said, no, 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 stop. You can't do this. You're not going to the cross. There's no way you're going to the cross. We're going to reign and rule together. You're not going to the cross. Don't say that, Lord. And what did Jesus say? (laughs) Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because at that moment, with that effort and in those sentences… Peter was doing Satan's bidding. He went from the highest high to the lowest low in about an hour. <laughs> what does this teach us? Every time you get out of the will of God, you are doing Satan's bidding. Wow. Really? Even a big preacher like you be doing. Listen, if Peter was doing it, do you think it's too much for me? Listen to me. Every time you and I get outside of the will of God, we're doing Satan's bidding. Every time we refuse to resist the devil, we're doing Satan's bidding. Every time we refuse to send Satan packing, we're doing the Satan's bidding. Every time you buy into Satan's lie, every time you let your ego take control and not the mind of the Holy Spirit, you are doing Satan's bidding. Ah, but every time you stand firm in the truth and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you put the enemy to flight. Be what? Sober. Be vigilant. I want to focus just for a few minutes on verse 17, which is the offensive one and only offensive weapon, which we desperately need. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do you know why? The Bible is under attack in the churches. It's a weapon. It's a sword. And Satan doesn't like it. Satan hates it. Because Satan fears the Word of God most. But do you know what else he fears? He fears the believer who believes the Word of God and obeys it. He fears you when you're walking under the authority of the Word of God. It terrifies him. Victory is yours. Dying to self is your weapon. Locking all the doors, your secret. Putting the battle fatigue neutralizes him. Number five, praising God is the tool, your tool for overcoming. Ask yourself the question, what are the angels in heaven and the saints who have gone ahead of us What are they doing right now, right now, this moment, this very moment? What are they doing? Praising God, worshiping God, adoring Him, worshiping the Lamb. That's what John tells us in the book of Revelation. They're worshiping, adoring. And every time you spend time praising and worshiping and adoring the Lamb, you line up with the host of heaven. And you can do that in the car, you can do that in your boardroom, you can do that in your office, you can do that at home, you can do that even in church. (laughs) Because some people think that that's the only place you do this. No, no. You say, what has this got to do with my conquering the enemy of my soul? Everything. Listen carefully. When you become angry with someone who falsely accused you, when... You become incensed and get mad at the circumstances that you did not do anything to bring it about. When you focus on your difficulties, and we all have them, we all have them, what happens is this the spiritual realm becomes misty and vague and foggy and unreal. And you begin to think that this world is real. <laughs> when the Bible said what's unseen is real. And so praising God changes the atmosphere. Praising God changes my attitude. Praising God puts my circumstances in perspective. Number six, pray for the person who offended you, who hurt you without a cause. Is going to give you the upper hand. It really will, I promise you. And I'm talking about praying for that person. Not, oh God, pray for that. No, no, no. No, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) Or pray like John. You remember in the Gospel of John when when they went to prepare the place for Jesus and he wasn't there yet and, and the town people rejected them? I mean, John was waiting for Jesus on the corner of the street corner. I mean, man, he was waiting for him. As soon as Jesus shows up, he said, oh, shall we pray for fire to come and burn these people? Man, I want to wipe them out. I know the temptation. I know the temptation. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about praying for their well-being, praying for their family, praying for their business. I can tell you when I do this, immediately I find God's power is so overriding my natural instincts. Those of you technical geeks will find this is like erasing your default setting. (laughs) Imposes a new attitude on myself. Other times I pray, Lord, give me an opportunity so I can serve this person. Give me an opportunity that I can do something for that person, something good. Victory is yours. Dying to self is your weapon. Locking up all doors is your secret. Putting on the battle fatigue neutralizes your enemy. Praising the Lord is a tool for overcoming. Praying for the offender will give you the upper hand. Finally, begin to think of heaven. Oh, my. (laughs) Nobody wants to think of heaven. I have non-believing friends, and I'm telling you, they were working so hard. They want to prolong their life. Jesus said, who are you about worrying? You're going to add an hour to your life. You can't. Just as appointed... A day to be born, appointed a a day to die. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm all for being a good steward of the body. I am, and I encourage everybody to be. This has nothing to do with it. This is just so you'll be healthy during the time that He's given you here on earth. But as believers, we have the absolute assurance of heaven. And therefore, we live in no fear of death whatsoever joy, anticipation of heaven, rather than being terrified of it. How is that a blessing in a spiritual warfare? Listen to me. It will remove you from your current life frame. It will place you in a lifetime of joy, experiencing splendor and glory. It brings heaven to earth For it's a time there in heaven where Satan will be no more. It will be a time when evil will be no more. It will be a time when all the hurt and the rejection and the pain and the suffering will be no more. It will be a time when sin and disease and temptation will be no more. At that moment, you will begin to realize there is a time is coming when Satan will be completely, totally decimated and disappear. When you resist the devil and he flees from you, the Bible promised that the whole of heavenly court is watching you and cheering you on. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Keep going for the smallest of victories is not large enough to describe what you had just received. Amen? Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, please do not permit the enemy comes and snatches the seed that has been planted in the mines. Don't allow the cares and of this world to choke the plants that have begun to bud today, at this moment in the series, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you will open hearts so that the word will go deep and grow tall, and that the fruit is be your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.